From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Encyclopedia Womanica. Today's queer icon was a prolific, rebellious poet and writer of the 20th century. She was a famous gatherer of people, hosting a weekly salon for many years that brought together brilliant writers and artists of her generation. Her life, and particularly her romantic affairs, were also the inspiration for multiple books. Let's talk about Natalie Clifford Barney. Natalie was born on October 31, 1876, in Dayton, Ohio, to a wealthy family. From an early age, Natalie was drawn to art, writing, and the French language. Her family had homes in Cincinnati, Washington, D.C., and Bar Harbor, Maine. Natalie also went to an exclusive boarding school in France. Natalie was very intelligent and defiant. She earned the nickname the Amazon for riding her horse astride instead of side saddle as was customary for women at the time. In 1896, Natalie moved to Paris full-time. In her work, she focused on writing poetry and short-form pieces in French. These writings focused on love and grief inspired by the classics. Natalie also spent much of her time socializing. After settling in, her stream of non-monogamous lovers began. Natalie was unabashedly herself and was open about her sexuality. She said, I am a lesbian. One need not hide it or boast of it. Still, her sexual exploits were fodder for much gossip in Paris. Her love life also inspired many acclaimed works of literature, including Leanne de Pougy's Idèle Safique in 1901 and Radcliffe Hall's The Well of Loneliness in 1928. In 1900, Natalie published a book of love poems to women that caused great scandal, especially with her family. After the collection made headlines in the Washington papers, Natalie's father, Albert, stormed into the publisher's office to buy and destroy every remaining copy and printing plate of the work. But controversy didn't deter Natalie from being her authentic self. She once said, My queerness is not a vice, is not deliberate, and harms no one. In 1902, Natalie's father passed away, and Natalie inherited a substantial amount of money. Seven years later, in 1909, Natalie moved to Rue Jacob and launched what would become a long-lasting weekly literary salon. Every Friday, Natalie entertained intellectuals and artists at her home, from Colette to F. Scott Fitzgerald to Gertrude Stein and Truman Capote. Writers would mingle, share their work, and listen to others. Natalie particularly used her own influence to support the work of women. The Literary Salon was an institution through the Roaring Twenties. In 1927, Natalie took a step further in her support of women writers and helped to found a group called the Académie des Femmes, a response to the all-male bastion of Académie Française. The group included many famous women writers of the day, and its members got additional attention at salons where they could read their in-progress or yet-to-be-published work. In 1930, Natalie published The One Who Is Legion, her only novel in English. The book follows the story of a person who commits suicide and is brought back to life as a genderless being with no memory. 
As World War II began, Natalie moved to Florence with her longest-lasting partner, Romaine Brooks. Natalie's allegiance during World War II is unclear. Some sources say she was supportive of the fascists. Others suggest that she may have shared support for the fascists to avoid deportation, as she was one-eighth Jewish. Whatever the case, Natalie did help a Jewish couple flee from Italy to the United States. In 1946, Natalie and Romain moved back to Paris to find Natalie's house at Rue Jacob uninhabitable. It took three years of restoration for Natalie to move back in and restart her Friday salons. Throughout it all, Natalie kept writing. In 1963, Natalie published her last novel at the age of 86. A few years later, after 50 years together, Natalie and Romain broke up. Around that same time, Natalie was served an eviction notice for her Rue Jacob apartment. She was devastated. Still, she fell in love again, this time with her final partner, Janine Lahovery, the wife of a retired Romanian ambassador. In 1972, Natalie died. She was 95 years old. Throughout her life, Natalie Clifford Barney's wit, writing, and fortune was dedicated to uplifting the voices of women. A critically acclaimed writer of many books herself, she worked tirelessly to promote her peers and hosted a salon that helped to define a decade. Before her passing, Natalie composed an epitaph reading, I am this legendary being in which I will live again. All month, we're celebrating Pride. For more on why we're doing what we're doing, check out our newsletter, Womanica Weekly. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Encyclopedia Womanica. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. As always, we'll be taking a break for the weekend. Talk to you on Monday. Hi, it's Jenny. I'm so excited to tell you about a new Wonder Media Network show called Gravity. It's been a year of unthinkable loss and hardship. In light of this comes Gravity, a show about what happens when we look at hardship differently. When you're a doctor, your patients ask you, how do I get through this? When you're a parent, your kids ask you, how do I get through this? And when you're a widow and your late husband writes a book like When Breath Becomes Air, people ask you, how do I get through this? We're all trying to figure it out, especially now. And the one thing those conversations about hardship keep coming back to is that it seems to matter a lot how we frame things to ourselves, individually and collectively. So I set out to learn from people who are reframing stories of struggle. And honestly, it was so heartening. I'm Dr. Lucy Kalanithi. From Wonder Media Network, this is Gravity, a show about what becomes possible when we look at hardship differently. Like, what if we stop seeing cancer as a battle? I think a, a real definition of winning for me is just continuing with as much joy as I can muster while really feeling all the losses. What happens when we bust the myth of the ideal nuclear family? And I thought, this is a dividing line, and it's not a plunge into grief. It's the opposite. This is the beginning of something that's going to be 
joyful and beautiful and wonderful. What if we stop seeing loneliness as a personal failure? Loneliness itself is actually not a disease or a disorder. It's actually a natural signal that our body sends to us, just like hunger or thirst. When we rewrite these stories, the effects can be transformative. And if climate activism is going to be somber all the time, I can't make jokes, I can't be petty, I don't want to do it. Like, I'm going to need to laugh if I'm going to stay here. What I do now that I never did before is think about the fact that I'm allowed to have my own definition of justice. Kind of the way we ended up thinking about it is that, well, you know, even if you're dying, until the day you actually die, you're living. Subscribe or follow now wherever you listen to podcasts.